the revolution will not be televised, but it is being digitized right here on Digital Village. Hi, this is Rick Allen. And I'm Leilani Albano. On Digital Village, we're bringing you stories about the Internet and technology and how they're shaping culture, along with every other aspect of our lives. The digital revolution is indeed awe-inspiring, but can also be used for nefarious purposes. We're here to help prevent some of those abuses. You can hear us archived on kpfk.org. And digitalvillage.org. So, on with the show. Hi, Leilani here. There are many stories about irregular voting and how voting machines are contributing to the problem, but they're being underreported across America. An example is the bogus Cyber Ninja voting audit in Phoenix, Arizona. In Arizona, as well as Georgia and California, voters are concerned about whether their votes are truly being counted, or if at all. To talk about these issues and their sometimes dire consequences, Rick speaks with Brad Friedman of KPFK's Bradcast and the Brad Blog site about the details of what's going on behind the scenes. This is Rick Allen, and I'm speaking with Brad Friedman, who has the show Bradcast right here on KPFK Los Angeles, and Brad Blog is around the world and who knows to how many other planets. Hi, Brad. Hey, Rick. How are you? Good. We like to do a little uh, check-in on all the voting irregularities and uh, some of the hilarity that goes along with it every few months. So uh, that, that's what we're doing today. Maybe bop around the country a little bit and see what's going on. Now, we have to start with uh, Maricopa County in Phoenix, mm-hmm. Arizona. And the Cyber Ninjas uh, voting audit. You spoke with John Brakey of Audit USA. Uh, let's get the, the inside scoop so uh, people know what's going on because you're not going to hear this on any other station. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the fact is uh, almost nobody knows what the inside, inside scoop is because these uh, so called cyber ninjas who have no experience in voting systems or elections or even audits. They have been carrying out this audit in uh, Maricopa County. That's Phoenix. That's the bulk of the the majority of the votes that were cast in Arizona in 2020. They've been carrying out this audit for months, by and large, in complete secret. So it's very difficult to know what's going on. Now, uh, a good friend of mine and a longtime election integrity champion, a fellow by the name of John Brakey, has been on the inside of this audit, even as the procedures are kept secret by the uh, super-secret cyber ninjas. But he has been on the inside. He's been trying to bring more transparency to the process. He was... Uh, early on, he brought, you know, when, when the ninjas weren't allowing anyone from the media to even come in and observe, he fought to make sure the media and uh, folks like me could come in and at least watch what was going on. And he's been working side by side with the former Republican Secretary of State of Arizona, a man by the name of Ken Bennett, who has been tapped to be the liaison from the uh, cyber ninjas back to the GOP state senate who contracted for all of this to happen that uh, over the past week or so Ken Bennett the man tapped again by the republicans in the state senate to oversee this process he got locked out of the process that's how super secret this is he got locked out 
he uh, basically turned in his resignation and said, I'm not going to be a part of this clown show anymore. Mm. And then ultimately, about a day or so later, they said, oh, please, please stay. You know, we're already so illegitimate. If you leave, we're done for. So he ended up staying, but got a bunch of concessions uh, to allow more oversight of what the heck is going on, because he apparently realizes that what the cyber ninjas have found is nothing in this, what is it now, four-month process. They're completing their final report. Uh, they have already uh, given some hints about what is in it, and every time they open their mouth and explain something like, oh, we, uh, we, we found 80,000 votes that we cannot explain, well, the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and the uh, uh, election uh, county clerk there, all of whom are Republicans themselves, say, well, here's the explanation for those 80,000 votes. You don't know how elections work. Those 80,000 votes were perfectly appropriate. Those are early absentee votes or something like that. You can go through all of these various ridiculous numbers they've come out with. Instead of trying to find out what's going on, they're announcing that, oh, this could be fraud. Donald Trump turns around and echoes that to his uh, incurious minions and says we need to throw out the whole election. They have found 80,000 fraudulent ballots in Arizona. Well, none of it is true. I personally have no problem with post-election audits and oversight, but when it's done in secret and when it's done by people who don't know what they're doing, just towards insurrection. And, And have an agenda, Brad? And, and have an agenda. And, but you know what? I don't mind that they have an agenda. I think that extreme partisans on the left or the right, I think that uh, conspiracy theorists, I think all of those people, uh, even people who have been fed misinformation by the President of the United States, I think all of those people deserve to know if their elections were uh, counted accurately. I have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. But that's why you do the process in public. You're always going to have partisans, uh, conspiracy theorists who, you know, who have concerns that are based on not real information. That's fine. But you do the post-election process like this in public. So we can all know at the end of the day if the election was tabulated accurately. As of now, it appears there is no evidence that the uh, uh, election in Arizona or anywhere else in 2020 was not tabulated as per the way it was certified. And one of the problems, people get riled up and do crazy things, <laughs> you know, not just insurrections. But let, let's take Bill Gates, for example. No, not the Bill Gates, but the, <laughs> but the Bill Gates, uh, the Board of Supervisors vice chairman there. Uh, in Maricopa County. In Maricopa County. He, was, uh, he, he had to flee his home because of uh, gangs of uh, Trump supporters uh, basically uh, surrounded his home and and drove him to live in a uh, to live in a hotel uh yeah. and and even uh one of the gentlemen you uh you mentioned earlier uh they gave an address to what they thought was him and it was his 78 year old mother so these are the kind of things the the kind of ramifications of of what's going on there yeah and i think we should underscore here this Bill Gates fella on the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors is about as hard right a Republican as you will ever find. 
I mean, this guy has been uh, uh, in the Republican Party, a Republican operative, if you will, going back really decades. And they are turning on him because he happens to be on the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, which is a five-person board. Four of them are Republican, including Gates. And they know that there was nothing incorrect about their tabulation or their system or anything else. So, yeah, they are willing to turn on their own people, as we're seeing in Arizona, uh, as you know we've seen uh, over the past few months in places like Georgia, where they have, a, again, a far-right Republican Secretary of State, a far-right Republican governor, both of them very Trumpy. Well, they have been turned on as well. They have received death threats. Uh, all the rest. This is real damn danger. Arizona also has a very Trumpy Republican governor who certified uh, the results last year, and they have turned on him as well. So that's yes, this is uh, this is very troubling to say the least. Now I I want to go to Georgia, but first I have to get this story in, Brad. Uh, let's go to Colorado. Uh, Trump attorneys in Colorado on on uh, just last Wednesday they got sanctioned uh, in a brutal sixty eight page order as frivolous and not warranted in bad faith in their filing that attempted to overturn the results of the twenty twenty election. It was tossed out. Uh, it was about the Dominion voting systems. Uh, the claim was that it had deleted. 2.7 million Trump votes. Describing their effort as one enormous conspiracy theory, the judge charged the evidence-free allegations amounted to, quote, the stuff of which violent insurrections are made, unquote. Yes. Not too subtle, judge. Yes. Oh, this is very serious. Uh, these guys, and uh, I hate to name them, but let me go ahead and name them. Good. Gary D. Fielder and Ernest John Walker. They were the two attorneys in Colorado who filed on behalf of Donald Trump, claiming the entire election last year should be tossed out. Uh, they, they filed this law. You know, it was one of many that I'm sure you've heard of, uh, filled with all sorts of affidavits from uh, people claiming fraud and so forth. As you noted, the suit was tossed out because there was no actual evidence in it. And as the judge pointed out in this sanctions order for these attorneys, which is a very serious thing for attorneys to be sanctioned like yeah. this, pointed out that if you actually look at those affidavits and if you actually look at this lawsuit that they filed, nothing in it was true. None of the people, none of the witnesses, so-called witnesses they cited, actually had any first-hand evidence of any fraud at all. And that includes the President of the United States, who was quoted in there saying that 2.7 million of his Ballots were tossed out. Very serious charge. Unfortunately, there is absolutely zero evidence of it. And if you are an attorney, you are not supposed to file suits that have no evidence and that are filled with blatant lies like that. And the good news is these attorneys are being punished for it. And uh, they were sanctioned. They are being forced to, uh, to pay the legal fees for all 18 of defendants they had sued, including, you know, bizarrely, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg's wife, somehow they were involved with the Dominion Voting System Company in, in stealing all of these votes from Donald Trump. So these two attorneys are in very big trouble. It's going to cost them a hell of a lot of money. And they're not the only ones. We're waiting on a word from a judge in Michigan who uh, recently held a, I think it was a nine-hour hearing with um, 
Trump attorney Sidney Powell and Lynn Wood also looking at sanctions. Rudy Giuliani has also had his uh, law license suspended, at least for now, in both New York and Washington, D.C. So these people are paying a price. The wheels of justice, uh, as one commenter said this past week, you know, are moving slowly, but they are finally beginning to move, and some of these folks are being held accountable for blatantly lying about our election over the past uh, six, seven, or eight months. Okay, I'm, I'm going to disregard the fact that you just made me uh, want to stick up for Facebook. Uh, glad that's over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. I mean, I had to, you know, we mentioned uh, Georgia and the Secretary of State there, Raffensperger. I had been reporting on this guy for months and months leading up to the election. He is not a good Secretary of State. He is not an honest person. He is a very Trumpy person who is willing to prevent people from legal voters from being able to vote and all voters from being able to oversee their election results. And yet, I had to defend him because he did the right thing in not bowing to Donald Trump and tossing the election results from Georgia that showed that, in fact, Donald Trump lost in Georgia. So, yes, uh, politics, I guess, makes strange bedfellows. <laughs> I have no uh, joy defending someone like Brad Raffensperger, Secretary of State of Georgia, any more than you enjoy defending Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> and Facebook. But when you lie about people, when you sue people for stuff that didn't happen, you need to be held accountable. Exactly. Well, speaking of Georgia and the Coalition for Good Governance and the, and the uh, ballot marking device, and the state's 20-year-old Diebel touchscreen systems ban. Mm -hmm. uh, take it from there, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a very important story because, and it's one that uh, if folks have listened to uh, Bradcast uh, for months and really years, or if they've read bradblog.com, uh, they know I've covered in great detail in Georgia. And not only because it affects the elections in Georgia, What's going on in Georgia right now with this lawsuit by the Coalition for Good Governance affects the entire nation, but specifically affects us here in California, mm -hmm. in San Diego County, where they use the exact same type of brand-new, unverifiable Dominion voting systems that they now use across the entire state of Georgia, thanks to my good friend Brad Raffensperger, who's mm -hmm. forcing them on them. They're very similar to the unverifiable touchscreen voting systems we are now forced to use here in Los Angeles County uh, at the polling place. So all of this, whatever's going on in Georgia, actually affects what's going on here in California, you know, as we're, what, about a, you know, just a few weeks out now from this uh, recall election of the governor. So in Georgia, the Coalition for Good Governance uh, filed a federal lawsuit some years ago. They successfully got a ruling from a federal judge that found, in fact, that the Diebold touchscreen voting systems used across the entire state of Georgia were completely unsecure, were unverifiable, and therefore unconstitutional. The judge ordered that they be thrown out. And, and uh, how many years have we we've been railing against Diebold? Yeah, only about 20 years that they had been using those <laughs> systems. So finally, you know, we got a federal judge to say, yeah, all of those guys, those, those digital village guys who had been warning about this decades ago, they were absolutely right. These machines should never be used in an election. They must never be used again. They must be thrown out. And in fact, they were 
in advance of the 2020 election. There's your good news. Your bad news is because you've got Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. Uh, he goes out and he buys a brand new unverifiable touchscreen voting system to replace those Diebold systems. They're brand new, but they are no more secure than the old systems, as we have learned. And furthermore, the reason they claim they're more secure is because they actually print out a computer-marked version of your ballot, and that paper ballot is then run through another computer and scanned, either correctly or incorrectly, who knows. But the problem with these systems where the computer marks your ballot instead of your hand marking the ballot is that the computer can and does mark them incorrectly, and voters don't notice before they cast their ballot. See, they're smart enough, aren't they? Voters are smart enough to look at their ballot after they've cast it and after it comes out to make sure. We're going to make sure that how I voted is true, right? Uh, I am loath to call the voters not smart, <laughs> but the fact is, because even when they do review their ballots, it's very hard to notice on these printouts that the computer has changed a vote or left one of your votes off. So I'm loath to blame the voters for this, because when they do look, they still don't notice the problem. The larger problem than that is that almost nobody looks. Nobody bothers to review their ballots at all. And, you know, when they do, if they find a problem, they don't know what to do about it. Was oh. it my fault? Did I make a mistake? This has happened to me on a computer-printed ballot. And I, I didn't know, do I have to waste everyone's time and figure out what happened, vote again, go through the whole process? It's a very difficult thing. But guys like Brad Raffensperger, and he's a Republican, but you also have Democrats, people like Dean Logan here in Los Angeles County, who has, in fact, purchased and forced these very type of touchscreen voting systems that computer mark a paper ballot to be scanned later. He's pushed those on us as well. And they always claim, oh, voters will look at their ballot, they'll review it. If there's any mistakes, they will find it. That is simply not true, as the Secretary of State of Georgia found out in the 2020 election, but didn't tell anybody about until an Atlanta Journal-Constitution reporter uh, named Mark Neese made a public records request and found that, in fact, Raffensperger did a secret study during the 2020 election, and he found that almost no one bothered to review their ballots at all. Is everybody being videotaped as they vote? Well, in this case, um, Raffensperger actually commissioned a study and uh, looked at, I think it was something like uh, 4,000 voters at 39 different precincts. You know, you're allowed to observe, sort of. You're allowed to observe at the precincts. They're trying to make that unlawful in Georgia as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am a named plaintiff in uh, a federal lawsuit against this new anti-voting law in Can Georgia that prevents the, the oversight at elections. Congratulations, but, uh, Brad Friedman. Well... And basically, I'm standing up for uh, press freedoms in this case, uh, because they are keeping, they are preventing me, they have criminalized what I have done for 20 years in observing elections and reporting what people see on the ground and so forth. Mm -hmm. That is now illegal. I can now be thrown in jail for doing my job. So we're standing up for press freedoms there in that lawsuit. We'll see how it goes. It's one of about 
eight different lawsuits against that horrible voter suppression law called SB202 in, uh, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. But in this case, the Secretary of State in uh, November of 2020 he was allowed to have people observe at the polls, and what he uh, came back with was a finding that pretty much everyone ignores those printouts entirely before casting them. In fact, a majority of voters, 81%, who use those, ballot, those so-called ballot marking devices, or BMDs, 81% did not bother to review the, those pieces of paper for more than five seconds. Wow. Uh, 51% of them looked at the ballot for one second or less, and 20% didn't look at their ballot at all before putting the paper into, in, in to be counted into that second computer. Now, Brad Raffensperger kept that a secret. He didn't release that study until the Atlanta Journal-Constitution was able to shake it out and get those numbers, which are disastrous. And yet, Brad Raffensperger, I told you he was a terrible guy, turns around and says, it gives a comment to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution saying that this study shows that voters do indeed review their ballots for accuracy before casting them and that this proves that uh, the votes were counted accurately in 2020. It does nothing of the sort. It's one of the most Orwellian statements I have ever heard from an election official. War is peace, Brad. Yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. Uh, Up is down, war is peace. I mean, (laughs) it's madness. It is exactly what uh, you and I have been talking about on this show for 20 years. I have been warning when it comes to these ballot marking devices that even Democrats have long pushed for in the, in the, uh, in the precincts, that they have no place in American elections other than for disabled voters who may need an assistive device to vote. But that's a small minority of voters, everyone else, should be using a hand-marked paper ballot. And yet we're not. Here in L.A., largest, uh, most populous county in the country, we are forced to use these touchscreens at the polling place now. In San Diego County, we are now forced to use these touchscreen exact same model, the uh, Dominion voting systems that they bought in Georgia. They're using those in San Diego. After an election, as the Secretary of State of Georgia proved, there's no way to know if those ballots actually reflect the intent of the voter. And this is very alarming, at least to me, as we head towards a, uh, a recall election, which is said now to be a dead heat. Okay, what can we do about this? What can you, me, and everybody who's listening, and even those who are going to be listening later and may not listen, but we can spread the word to, what can we do about it? Well, we have to do our jobs, uh, you, me, uh, folks in the media, to explain what is actually going on so people actually understand these voting systems somewhat. And here in California, uh, as I understand, in the recall, for example, they're going to be sending an absentee ballot, again, to, to all voters. So in theory, every voter who is registered will be able to vote on a hand-marked paper ballot from their home. Hopefully they will bring it to a polling place and drop it off rather right. than trust it to the mail. But at least here in California, we can have a hand-marked paper ballot if we want it, at least in theory. 
that's a good thing. So, so, so people we can... need to understand that that's the best way to vote. That's where we start. They also have right. to understand that public oversight of elections is absolutely critical. And so for you and me to do our jobs, we have to be able to have access to these voting systems on election day and and in early voting and so forth. So we have to fight for those press freedoms that Republicans, I'm sorry to say, are trying to take away right now. And they are going directly after elections, and they are changing the law and, and succeeding in making it easy to replace things like bipartisan election boards in Georgia with single partisan officials who are chosen by the Republican state legislature and given the ability to overturn results, even if the results are tabulated accurately. This is a real fight as we head towards 2022 and 2024 and states around the country that are controlled by Republicans are, are succeeding in changing election laws to make it very easy for them to simply ignore any and all results. This is a, a pretty scary moment, and it's just one of the reasons why federal legislation is so desperately needed right now. Why don't Republicans just take their time and their money toward running on a positive platform of of, of what the majority of, of Americans say they want and need? Oh, yeah, there's an idea. Run on po- popular policies? Yeah. What? Yeah, they, they don't do that because their policies are not popular, because they really don't have any policies, because they represent, you know, some wealthy oligarchs who wish to stay in power who wish to continue raping this country with the fossil fuels and fossil fuel infrastructure, not just this country, but the world. That's all they stand for. They don't actually have any principles. They are not conservatives. They do not believe in the Constitution. They do not believe in family values. They do not believe in uh, protecting the police. They do not believe in small government and local control. They do not believe in low deficits. They do not believe in anything that they have pretended to believe in over the past 10 or 20 years, which is why I've long said these people are not conservatives. They do not believe in conservative principles. This is a party that is about staying in power, period. That's the only thing that they believe in. And this is not a a partisan statement. By calling out these Republicans, I am not telling you that Democrats are wonderful. I'm just telling you what actually is going on here and that what the Republican Party is now doing is becoming a full-out right-wing authoritarian party willing to do anything and everything, including attacking the U.S. Capitol and stopping the constitutional uh, transition of power in order to hang on to power. It's a very troubling moment. So all of these things that we're talking about here are important because these are the sort of the building blocks that are being used to uh, dismantle democracy in favor of autocracy. And it should be very alarming to everyone. And I know it's complicated and there's details and touchscreens and paper ballots and it does get into the weeds. I understand that. But I think people need to know what is going on before they're asking themselves, what happened to our country? How did we get a dictator in the White House? 
Brad Friedman of <laughs> Brad Blast is what you just did. <laughs> I appreciate it, Brad. And uh, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? You can always find all of this work at bradblog.com. We do a, a daily podcast uh, syndicated around the nation called The Bradcast. You can find that at bradblog.com. And you can follow me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. Thank you very much, Brad. Keep up the good work. Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of Digital Village. You can hear us archived on kpfk.org. And digitalvillage.org. Thanks for listening to Digital Village. I'm Rick Allen. I'm Leilani Albano. And we'll see see you you online. online.